Hello, pop punk princes and princesses. Welcome to episode one, the official kickoff of a brand new podcast called The Pop Punk Project. I'm your co-host, Keenan. I'm excited to have you all here. And I'm your other co-host, Mike. In this podcast, we'll discuss our favorite pop punk albums from back in the day and hope to discover some new ones along the way. Today, we will be exploring Blink-182's groundbreaking album, Anima of the State. Let's stage dive in. first one we came up with we thought we had to start out with a classic a modern classic but as we found out it's actually 21 years old at this point yep that checks out so it's a modern classic but it's we're old as hell uh it's blue 22's it's their break it's their breakout enema of the state yep it is their third album the first one was Cheshire Cat, released in 1995. Second one, Dude Ranch, which featured what I think was their, their first big single in Damn It, right? Were there, what other songs were on Dude Ranch that were popular? Were there others? I have Spotify pulled up. going to take a quick peek. Damn It was uh, the outlier on Buddha. It was clearly the... Uh, oh, on Buddha. Oh, I'm sorry, no. On Dude Ranch. Carousel. Yeah, Carousel. Was on Buddha. Damn It was on Dude Ranch. And then the only other one that I think was really, maybe had some radio play, was Josie on oh, Dude right, Ranch. Yeah. What was on Cheshire Cat? Cheshire had Carousel and... That's probably it. I Cheshire mean, and Buddha were kind of like, was one a remake? I don't even know. I think they did remake them. It was one of those where um, you have more than one song on yeah. each album. That's right, yeah. But, they were forgettable, um, honestly. They're good albums, but... Yeah. So this was, Enema of the State was the follow-up to Dude Ranch, which had the big single, Damn It. And I think what's notable about this album is that it was the first album featuring Travis Barker as the drummer. Their original drummer who started with the band, uh, Scott, he was fired from the band right before this. I think they were on tour. And there was a big blow up. I think he was, uh, he was drinking a lot and he was messing up sets. And so they, they decided to bring on Travis, who was touring alongside them with, which band was he with, Mike, at the time? Uh, the Aquabats, I believe. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So this was the first album. You can tell it's a lot different. The drumming is totally different from the first two. And you can tell it's sort of a signature Travis, uh, Travis sound, which is, you know, obviously the blink, the blink sound. It's uh, very intricate. Yeah. And um, it would be hard to pull off if you were drinking every day. That's true. Honestly. Yeah. yeah that, I know I think that's, that's, why that's they, tour life, but. Um, for sure. That's why they kicked Scott to the curb. So Mike, what in the world was going on at this time? Tell us about the year 1999. So this album was released, I believe June 1st, 99. Yeah. Right before the turn of the decade, the 21st century. And we had a lot of stuff going on. It's a lot of stuff that, a lot of themes that are still prevalent today. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. So Columbine had happened in April of that year on Colorado. Oh yeah, wow. That was probably... That feels so long ago, doesn't it? It was long ago. We were in second grade. Wow. And that was, that was April 20th of 99. 
So yeah. that was the first. That was one of the first monumental events that I remember. Yeah, I as agree. Eight or nine year old. It was um, also one of the real memorable things from that year was Bill Clinton's uh, the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal, and I remember that was a big deal in middle school. I guess in elementary school at that time was he was uh, impeached, but eventually acquitted, and I think that was all going on through that year right around when this was released. So that was another pretty big moment in 1999. On a lighter note, that was also the year May 1st was when SpongeBob was uh, premiered on Nickelodeon. So that's, uh, that also makes it feel really wow. far in the, doesn't it make it feel really far in the past? That is crazy. Yeah. And um, so I, when we were thinking about what kind of stuff was in the news, I was looking at old New York post articles and one from June 5th of 99 says first lady steps up to the plate in Senate bid. So Hillary was planning her first Senate run back in 99, 21 years gone. A couple uh, runs for presidency, yeah. long-term Senator just puts into perspective how long ago that actually was. Yeah. It was a while ago. So moving on. So what, what was your experience with this album? What is, what's your first memory of listening to it? What stands out about, about you know the tracks and and the album in general the first memory it's obviously it's the singles so i remember what's my age again all the small things they were played at a lot of middle school grade school parties and you honestly probably played some of them at your old uh concerts that you would put on with your band oh that's true yeah the gum bear warriors i think we we had a couple blink covers and i think it was it had to be at least one or multiple of the, of the tracks in this album. Yeah, I, I remember listening. I think this was the first real album, definitely the first Blink album that I, I listened to the entire way through. Besides the, the singles that really stood out, it was the first album that really captured my full attention. And I, I remember in, it was a couple years later, I think it was, it wasn't 1999, I think it was maybe fifth or sixth grade, somebody brought it into uh our grade school and was playing it in one of the classes. And I remember thinking, first of all, wow, I can't believe uh, we're listening to some of these songs because of how ridiculously vulgar they were. But I also thought, wow, this is really, really good. And I want to get this album and listen to it the whole way through. So it was, I think it was, it was the first album that really stood out. Like this is pop punk is, is pretty cool and pretty genre defining. Right. And that's the thing back in the day, you weren't able to, Google lyrics or look up lyrics. So they were saying things that even, you know, when we were diving back into this over the past week or two, I had either misheard them or misconstrued them, but it's yeah. definitely stuff that you don't want your 10 year old to be listening to. No, definitely. My not. parents were never really, um, from, from buying most of the CDs that I used to buy, we didn't have to really worry about the parental advisory stuff. But I'm definitely sure this one had that stamped on the front. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Along with a porn star as the cover model. So. Yeah, that was one of the interesting tidbits. So it was... Uh, Moms beware. Yeah. I think, I think the, the front cover of this album told you everything you need to know. It was the, uh, the porn star. Her name is Janine Lindemolder. And she's putting on the, the rubber glove in a, in a sexy nurse costume. So that was... Once you saw that, you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into. Um, Especially as a younger male, I think yeah. it definitely stood out on the shelves. For sure. Amongst other yeah. albums at the time. 
Yeah, that was interesting. I think it, it is a little mind-boggling to think that we were allowed to listen to this album and a lot of these tracks that young, but I just don't think our parents really, really knew what was... Because they were the listening only to... only thing that I recall being, at least in my mind, controversial was on all the small things they said work sucks. Yeah. And being eight or nine when this came out, it was kind of, oh, wow, sucks is not a good word. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's another point. Being 30 that. years old now and listening back, it's, um, wow, they have a song about a man engaging in intercourse with a dog. But that's the thing. It was like all the small things and What's My Age Again were the two songs that really had the airtime. And they were not they were the very, you know, kid friendly song. So it's, it's not surprising that our parents would be like, Oh yeah, all these na na nas, this, all the small things is a really nice song. Right. And then they, Cause they are the catchy songs. They are undeniably catchy, yeah. whether you're a parent, a kid or in between, whatever. Absolutely. Well, we can, I, I know we're going to go through it track by track, but I wonder when they played what's my age again on the radio. Cause there are some suggestive themes in that song. So yeah. I wonder if they made up radio-friendly lyrics or if, I don't know, like what what's the Kid Bop's version of The State Looks Down on Sodomy? <laughs> That's a great question. One, one we that probably I should have looked into that. Yeah, we should do a little research to see if Kids Bop uh, tackled that you one. know it's out there on Now Volume 3. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Uh, something that popular has to be. Good question. I don't know the answer. All right, so what are some what are some general themes? I think there are a lot of similar ones from track to track, but there is a little bit of variation in there. What are some of the big ones that you remember? It's a lot of girls. It's a lot of partying. Yep. It's a lot of indifference to both of those things. Yep. I think there's a lot of, a big theme is, I think they're almost singing to kind of the middle class preteens and teenagers. I think there's a lot of adolescent frustration, clearly a lot of relationship stuff, like you mentioned, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff, breaking up falling in love. Those are all definitely all contained within the album. Right. So these are three white guys from San Diego, California. So those themes as suburban white guys, they kind of hit a, a lot of uh, relatable notes. For us. Yeah, definitely for right. us. Yeah. Growing up around this time in suburban Philadelphia, I think it's, it was definitely things that we could relate to. But on top of that, I think one of the biggest surprises on this album is the one pretty obvious departure from those themes is a song about UFOs. And you basically go from talking about relationships, talking about how difficult it is growing up in the suburbs to all of a sudden talking about aliens and how they probably exist. So I think that's, that's the one sort of curveball in the album that we'll, that we'll see. Yeah, that one kind of comes out of nowhere. But <laughs> I mean, knowing Tom... And who he still is today. Yeah. It makes sense. It does. Aliens are, he's passionate about aliens and UFOs and figuring out if we are alone. <laughs> yeah. so this is kind of the first foray into that. That's right. Yeah. The first time we hear about his obsession. Right. So, um, okay. That's interesting. All right. I think it's, I think it's, we can dive in here and uh, start with, with the first track, Dumpweed. Before we jump in, the one thing I did notice about this album, Mike, I'm not sure if you noticed it too, it's a lot shorter than I remember. It's only 12 tracks and the whole thing is 35 minutes. In That's my part head, of listening on Spotify that you see, it's like, wow, this is 35 minutes and this is... 
it's such a quick this 35 minutes is such a large part of my life yeah but it goes by so quickly right you realize the album's done before you even before you even know it. it's that's something that caught me off guard i think we'll come to find as we review more and more albums that a lot of these are on the shorter side yeah you know i think probably your average pop punk song is two to three minutes four minutes on the longer side yep but yeah 35 minutes i i didn't notice that as well i thought that was kind of weird yeah i was a little shocked by that it always feels longer so first track dumpweed what are your what do you remember about it what are your impressions what can you tell us mike it's a great <laughs> first track um it is i i don't know how we're gonna in terms of actually getting some audio on this but I would be happy to mouth it out for you, like Dan. Nah, 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 nah. It's a great opening song. It's uh, fast-paced. It kind of sets the tone for the whole album. And what I noticed about listening back in 2020 is I do wonder how many, like, I know Blink's part of their goal was to be controversial. That was their intention. Um, but the chorus of this song kind of, the chorus contains the line, I need a girl that I can train, which yeah. it's, it's, it's I, I wonder how many of these lines would still be able to make it onto a record. Again, these guys, the music videos they put out were them streaking naked and their whole goal was to kind of like raise eyebrows. But there are certain things that I don't know if are still worth saying, even if uh, it's a joke or whatever. But I was listening to that. I'm like, oh, oh, they want to train a girl like a dog. <laughs> yeah, it's not shocking. The lyrics aren't shocking in the grand scheme of this album and Blink-182 in general, that's just kind of par for the course of what they, what their lyrics are. But I think when you look back at it now, like you said, it's, this is not a song that you'd be able to get away with today. You can't talk about girls being dogs. There's no way they'd be allowed to do it. And, and you can tell, obviously Blink doesn't release songs like this anymore. And they clearly have matured through the years. But this one, just the first song out of the gate, listening to it now, you're like, wow, <laughs> This is what think, they would sing about. I think the late 90s, they had a lot, there was a lot of um, trying to sell records just based on shock value, you know? I'm mm -hmm. not saying this one was one of the most notorious, but if you think back to like Eminem and other artists of that time, part of the thing that drew record sales was people going on TV and talking about how outrageous the content was. And that only made kids want to listen to it more because it's like, what am I missing? You know? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think, I think that that was kind of a theme of the times and it was certainly a theme of blank, but once you get past that shock value of them talking so uh, insultingly about, about women, you do get the first theme of relationships being hard, girls being difficult to, to deal with. It's something that, is very common in pop punk and certainly common in this album. 
and it hits you right in the face with Dumpweed. And I think I do love how this song comes in. It's, it is a very unique chord progression and it's, it is very upbeat and fast paced and it is a fun song. It's, it's just a little, uh, crude, cruder than, think, than you'd, than you'd think it would be. I think most of the songs on the album are crude, but that's part of, you know, there's, part of there's the, definitely, yeah. there's humor in it. And it's, these were guys in their mid twenties making music. I know when they recorded it, they, they weren't, they had some sort of um, name, but they weren't big yet. And then I know they went on Warped Tour a lot and kind of grew their their uh, recognition. But yeah, so it's it's a good song. I just think um, you really have to take the lyrics there, uh, kind of as they come. Second song, I actually think this is pretty hilarious. After Dumpweed, where he's basically talking about how girls are horrible, "Don't Leave Me" is a second track in the album, and it's all about being dumped i think right i think that's what yeah. this song's about okay oh for sure so it's it's really funny the the comparison between the two it's like treating treating women horribly and then getting dumped it seems like sort of just a natural progression there but don't leave me is definitely it's a lesser known song in the album i don't think this is a song that people really think about when they think of blink um i don't think it's a song that people think about when they think of enema of the state but it's you know re-listening to it it is a really good song clearly about a guy being dumped. I don't know if there's anything really that stands out to you about this song, Mike. What do you think? No, it's a great song. And I think you were the one that told me that Mark actually wrote the song in 10 minutes. It was a, yeah, that's right. It was a quick write, I guess, but it's a good song. I do like it. I think it sets a good tone for the rest of the album. Yep. Uh, It's definitely catchy and we can, I guess, get into this debate later on if we want to, but it kind of sets up the Tom versus Mark. Like who do you prefer as your, lead singer that's of this true. band because that's not really a thing that happens uh with a lot of bands these days having two prominent main uh lead singers so that's a good point and that's something that i I've, I've thought about a little bit i don't know if i really came to any sort of consensus or conclusion but something that i wanted to ask you is is there a, is there a clear difference in the songs the tom songs and the mark songs I, in my head i feel like the tom songs are more aggressive and more vulgar and more inappropriate and i think he's just a little bit edgier and i think mark sounds a little more grounded instead of talking about how he hates girls he's talking about being dumped and he's you know he's very woeful and regretful dying yeah dying. is that i mean am i right about that did you pick up on that too or i know that we're not reviewing the first two albums this is still like i think they're still kind of finding their voice but going forward i think tom does become the one that's more like He's the more nasally, uh, classic, pop-punk, emo-y kind of singer. Yeah. And then Mark is the more alternative singer, I guess you could say. Yeah. So yeah. on this album, he's... like you, you will find, like I think I tend to lean towards Mark in terms of the songs that he sings. Yeah. And Pick your side. I, I honestly don't know if he wrote those songs or yeah, if I just like the way he sings those songs. And while this this song is not on this album but like i miss you is like the perfect kind of both of them inner yeah. inner splice back and forth but um right i mean you'll see mark has adam's song uh tom has aliens exist so there's just there's a disparity a isn't difference it? in the um content of those songs but 
I like that you drew the battle lines, <laughs> the, the Mark Tom battle lines, and you, you picked your side. I, I do did. think it's interesting because they're so, they're, in my opinion, they're actually so different that it's hard to compare them. I think right. Tom is sort of a grungier, whinier one. I think Mark is more melodic. I think he's, I think objectively, he is just a better singer. I think that's pretty clear when you listen to a lot of the songs. And then when you hear them live, I think it's, that's also true. But that's, that's a very interesting theme is like, that was big back in the day. Do you like the Tom songs better or do you like the Mark songs better? Right. It's almost like the boy band perspective of Blink. Yeah. Because, and, and it's funny because I think it was What's My Age Again, but they made, they mocked boy bands, but there all was. All the small things, yeah. All the small things. But yep. there, there is some of that in their um, configuration. Is that there are people discussing well, who do you like to hear sing better, Mark or Tom? And yeah. Tom's no longer with the group currently. Right. So I think part of me knowing that I like Mark better is that I still enjoy the music they're releasing today. Right, yep. And Tom's doing his own thing right now, which is great. But to it's me, I'm like, all right, I think I obviously like, like Mark. I'm still listening to the new stuff that they're putting out. So We should keep, as we go throughout this album and then also on future Blink albums if we do them, I think we should try to keep a running tally of who's singing on these songs and who's making these songs and if there's a difference in style. Cause I think there is going to be a pretty clear trend, but yeah, let's see that would have been, that, that would have been uh, an obvious thing to have done, but you know, you That's live fine. and you learn. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll figure it out as we go. We're kind of just doing it on the go. It's fun. Yeah. It's kind of more fun this way, you know? Uh, it is. It is. Well, that's a good jumping off point because I think now we dive into, uh, the pretty clear departure from the album and it is a Tom song and it's aliens exist. And I think this one is, it's a very interesting one to discuss because it's, it's very relevant today for a lot of obvious reasons, but a lot of people might not know what those reasons are. But so this song is clearly written by Tom. It's about his opinion that aliens exist. All right. I remember when I, I watched a documentary on them a while ago, probably a couple of years ago, and it was, it was just about Tom and his obsession with, with UFOs and with aliens. And he would say that it started when he was touring with Blink during these days, probably not long after End of the State was released. And he would be in the back of the tour van and he would just be reading UFO books. Before he went on tour, he would constantly pick up just volumes of books, have them ready, and then digest them as they were driving from city to city and he became obsessed with it. So it, it started back then. It's, it started back in the day. It started during Enema and it for, formulated his opinion that aliens are out there and that the government is hiding stuff and he wants to find out about it. And so, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in the news. Maybe you can discuss it, Mike, but there has been stuff in the news recently where his, his organization has uncovered documents and has actually <laughs> forced the government to release footage and information about actual ufos do you know about that yes yeah, so we're recording this for people listening now or maybe listening in the future this is we're recording it during the coronavirus quarantine so there's obviously been a ton of stuff going on in the world a lot of ever moving parts but 
kind of thrown into the middle of all this is something that I don't want to say it got buried or it just didn't really get broached because there's just so much other stuff going on right now. Yeah. But the Pentagon released videos of, I think, naval pilots just kind of flying and seeing unidentified flying objects, lights, uh, motions, etc. cetera. Uh, their reactions kind of tell the story. If you, if you want to look it up, you can. But Maybe we can post of, it somewhere at some point. Yeah, they're kind of confused. And, you know, these are guys that are trained thoroughly in terms of you're, you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. And even they're left uh, speechless by what they see. And that was kind of, I don't know when the exact date that those videos kind of dropped. It was definitely in the middle of... I think there was of, a series. I think, I think there were a few maybe late last year and there were definitely some early this year, I think probably right before COVID hit. But it, yeah, I, I think what's kind of remarkable is that the Pentagon won't come out and say they're aliens because obviously they, they don't know for sure. But I think right. they confirmed that they are UFOs. They're the definition of unidentified flying objects. They have no idea what they are. And Tom and his organization to the stars Academy, I don't know what behind the scenes stuff that he and his organization has, has done, but they were able to get these released. They were able to convince the Pentagon to actually release the videos and acknowledge that, they are. They do not know what this technology is. They don't know what these, what these ships are. Which is right. I mean, is actually kind of a big deal. I mean, I always thought deal. that. I always thought that Tom was crazy. I thought he was an idiot for leaving Blink, and he was consumed by all this. And I was like, what? What is he doing? But it is kind of incredible. It's incredible, and the fact that he has made a career for himself in music, and he's kind of used that to be able to do what he's actually passionate about, which I really respect yeah um i don't really love this song like as just a song on this album i think it's probably one of the lower points for me but if nothing else you can't fault the guy for being inconsistent like he has been on this from day one and i honestly have never really considered my position one way or or another with aliens and whatnot but yeah i mean i saw the videos in it sure look uh, like nothing <laughs> like I've seen. UFO, so. UFOs to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you have a couple hours, which uh, A, I know you don't, but if you have a couple hours and you just want to fall down a rabbit hole, do some research into Tom and his history with UFOs because he's, there is a lot of weird, he's written like books that he claims are, they're written as fiction, but he claims there's a lot of nonfiction elements, but he won't say what is nonfiction and what he knows. And he's just always, he always acts like he knows a lot more information about UFOs than the general public does. So it's very entertaining. It feels very conspiracy, but now that he's gaining some traction, it, it is kind of interesting and kind of fun to read about. Uh, with, along with a lot of other stuff nowadays, if you had said to somebody when this album came out in 99, hey, by the way, in 21 years, uh, the the whiny singer of Blink that is singing about aliens will actually be at the forefront yeah. of releasing. We'll convince the Pentagon to unclassified <laughs> videos of this yeah. stuff. It's like, all right, sure. It's pretty insane. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty weird thing to think about. Um, but no, I mean, it's not one of my favorite songs, but I appreciate no, I it for what it is. You know, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's more interesting. It's now. still catchy. Every single song on this album is catchy. Like, if nothing yeah. else. 
they've formulated a really good hook, you know? Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's, it's not one of my favorite songs on the album. It's not one of my favorite Blink-182 songs, but it is a little more interesting now that we kind of know more about aliens, I guess. And the fact that he, he never lost interest on this topic. So I, I give him major yeah, props for that. kind of cool. All right, let's move on. I think the next song is really when Blink starts to hit their stride with his album. I know that just based on what you've told me in the past, I know that this is one of your favorite songs, if not your favorite song, which you can tell us about. But this song is one of my favorite Blink songs of all time, Going Away to College, track four. Yep. I would say it's probably my second favorite song on the album. Uh, it's probably in my top five to 10 of Blink songs of all time. It's an awesome song uh, to listen to when we were growing up in middle school and in high school because it is about, as the title suggests, going away to college, saying goodbye to your high school friends, kind of that unknown of, will I be able to make other friends? Will I be able to build other relationships beyond high school? And especially, uh, for me at the time when I was leaving for college, I was in a relationship with somebody senior year and the whole song is about what do you do? Do you stay with the person that you're dating or do you call it quits and, and look forward to new, you know, new adventures. So it, at the time it was, it was kind of an emotional song and it did really make you think about your life and about your future. And for that, I was like, wow, this song has a lot of meaning. Yeah, you're definitely right. This is my favorite song on the album. It's my favorite Blink song, I think, um, ever on a, on any album. I can't wow. think of one right now that tops it. But similar to what you were saying, it was when we were actually preparing to go to college back in 2009. I would listen to the song a lot, and it was kind of one of those things where sometimes lyrics kind of hit you in a certain way, and sometimes it's like let me just search my iTunes for a song about college. And this one came up mm-hmm. and that was kind of the first time I listened to it a lot. And it kind of got me really pumped up, you know, to go out on my own and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And there, there are certain parts of the song that I think are like, really, they do a really great job of pinpointing certain high school emotions. Yep. Um, you know, you have the, the certain lines like, is my picture still hanging in her locker? Very high school. Very high school. And uh, I, I never had a high school romance. So to what you were saying in terms of leaving your you know, high school girlfriend and not knowing what the next step was, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have that kind of experience. But I still, I still love looking back at it now. Like I remember listening to this and I remember when... I was moving into college at mm-hmm. Penn State. I posted as my Facebook status, which was very big at the time. I just posted Huge going away to college and it got a lot of likes. It probably got like <laughs> two likes. But that's I, a lot. I, hey, for us, that's pretty I know. Good. I know. But I just remember thinking like I'm going away to college, you know? It well, was What's interesting though, I think you raise a good point is like romantic relationships aside, this song gives you that feeling of 
you're kind of moving on from every relationship, your friends, your family, everybody that you've known for 18 years, 17 years, you have to say goodbye and you're not really sure when you're going to see them again. And so I think their point, the point that Mark was making is it was about a romantic relationship, but it's really about any relationship. Right. About a new chapter, you know? I think at least for me, family was the biggest one. And the chorus kind of, it reiterates that point where I haven't been this scared in a long time. Yeah. I feel so unprepared, you know? And that's how that's, everybody feels. That's what makes certain life situations exciting, you know? Yeah. Are you terrified? Absolutely. But are you incredibly excited too? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... It's that balance uh, of emotions. It's, yeah, it's, it's just really two, cool. It's totally really different emotions. really cool intersection of like life and your past and your future kind of colliding. And this song really did help me in terms of going to college. Like I, I remember I would listen to this song when I was like moving in, like I was so pumped. So, yeah. So I think it's, for it's that reason, I think it's my, it's my favorite. And I think it, it's my favorite Blink song in general, but. What's cool about it is it definitely captures the two very different emotions of total sadness and total happiness. You can in one second, in one listen, be super pumped about going to college and be totally happy. And I just picture you moving in to Penn state and having this in your, in your uh, headphones and just kind of jamming out yeah. and then you can be listening to it, thinking about everybody back home and being in the dumps and really sad. It, we can, it can we have can those two s- different effects on you, which for is cool. sure. And we can say like, this is another Mark song. That's kind say, of a more yeah. reflective song. Like, we just Not had like, Aliens with Tom, and now we're, right. we're this really introspective Mark song. It's one of the more uh, reflective songs that are, you know, I'm scared, I'm going to miss you, like, I love you, etc. Yeah. And we'll broach other uh, songs down the line that aren't that uh, warm towards, <laughs> towards women. Your, your girlfriend towards or relationships in general. Whatever, yeah. 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 It's one of the best, I mean, it's one of the best songs, and there's so much... There's so much to it. There's so much depth to it. We could talk about it for a while. I think it's probably in our best interest to move on to the next one. So the next one, track five, What's My Age Again? I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out and she took off my pants. Turn on the TV And that's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 And I saw more abuse by TV shows What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age What's my age again? What's my age again? Okay, so here's, here's now one of the mainstream hits The first real mainstream hit on the album at track 5 This one is my favorite song of all time it's kind of cheesy to say, considering you know I, I've heard every Blink song, I know all their albums, but this one, for whatever reason, still is, is my favorite. I think it's, it's the perfect combination of super catchy, has some cool themes to it, is slow at times, there's definitely variable um, speed to it, but it's, I just think it's awesome. And it, it does bring me back, this was one that was on the radio, so it's extremely recognizable, it's very poppy, it also has an extremely iconic music video. This is the music video where the three of them are running naked through the streets of some small town and they're legitimately naked 
obviously everything's blurred out, but you think back to MTV back in the day and this was on your TV screen. You're like, who are these guys? How do they get away with this? This is such a, such a ridiculous and bizarre music video compared to what was being released at the time. And I was like, these guys don't just don't care. <laughs> these guys are like a new breed of musician, but yeah. And it's all about, you know, I think it's about not wanting to grow up. Right. No. Yeah. This was, I do remember this video and this was back in the day when MTV actually played videos. And I know that's like a, Whoa, controversial that's, whole, that's no, that's been exhausted. Like obviously MTV hasn't played videos in a long, long time, but this versus all the small things. These were their two biggest hits. Yep. And I think I do prefer this one. So I don't know if that's another uh, chalk it up to it, uh, Mark in that column. But um, Mark song. I yeah. The so, I, so yeah. So they're naked running through the streets. Great. Cool. Gets your attention. And it's, I will say as popular as the song was, we mentioned it a while ago, but they do, they do say some things that you can't really say today they talk about sodomy they talk about pranking somebody and saying that they get arrest first of all arrested for sodomy isn't that right. one of the lyrics yeah that's that's so a pretty dated, that <laughs> was concept that was one thing i noticed when i was listening through it. it's like the lyrics really do date the song and i think yeah. there's something this one charming in it. yeah there's something charming about that when uh you can listen to it like you know we're we're both approaching our 30th year on this earth but if if you were, a, say, a 20-year-old in college right now, and I'm sure this song is still played at parties or bars or 90s nights or whatever, um, but there's there's still something to be said where even even for us, like being born in, in the early 90s, it's still reaching in terms of wondering uh, call, caller ID. Caller ID, that's right. I don't, I don't even think, first of all, I don't think anybody even really answers their house phone anymore if they, if they still have one. I don't think anybody one. has a house phone anymore. But, Do your and, parents have a house phone? Well, my parents actually canceled their house phone like this past week. What? They were paying, they were paying, this past week? Yeah, they were paying wow. like 50 bucks a month time? or whatever for that house phone. So. And I told my mom oh my the only goodness. people that call her is the Red Cross. So, um, but yeah, you have house phones, you have caller ID, you have pay phones, which yep. are never coming back. And uh, the biggest surprise is like, you know, the line about uh, prank calling a, a girl's mom and saying that her husband has, you know, the state looks down on sodomy. And yeah, nowadays, you know, obviously we live in uh, more accepting times, but. Yeah. Just the, just revisiting 99 when 99. It's weird cuz 99 as we we keep saying it's a long time ago and it is a long time ago in the grand scheme of our lifetimes but it's really not that long ago. The fact that that was even a a topic then is yeah. kind of mind-boggling to me. Thinking about federal laws mandating the type of intercourse you could have is sexual a, relations, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very it's insane. bizarre thing to think about. It's uh it's luckily something that we probably don't have to revisit too much in terms of wondering why it was a thing, but it's, it's, it's nice that it's something we can look back on and be like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The other thing about this song that I think is important to address the line, nobody likes you when you're 23. What, what's your take on that? Do you have a take Dude, on that? I don't know other than it's just a great, Facebook status or tweet to post when you turn 23. That's what everybody did. I know I did. Yeah, I definitely did. And that was kind of, I guess they were just 23 when they wrote it. And you kind of 
get in that mindset of like there are times in your your early to mid 20s when you kind of feel a little bit lost a little bit hopeless a little bit you know without direction so uh, i'm sure that was kind of what mark was trying to relay in that lyric but you got some monumental birthdays like uh 21 yeah it's weird that they picked 23 <laughs> i was thinking about yeah. that like you could say nobody likes you when you're 18 or 21 or 30 but 23 just it seemed like a very strange choice it honestly time, just has to be that it rhymes with me you know yeah i, I guess that's, that's the it. only real reason i can think of i wish we had an answer for that because that would have been i think everybody kind of wonders that and it would be nice if we solved that one but i don't think we we did unfortunately not on this episode but it's still nope. a great line still a great line and it's still um, a great song your favorite it is my favorite song to this day my favorite song every time it comes on i'm i'm pumped and that's um, like it's it's kind of like when you have um when you have the ipod or the laptop at a party if you want a safe song to put on what's my age again just fired up yeah everybody's on board to this day to this day it's one of the least polarizing songs you could put on at a party yeah it's just so funny there's other ones on this album that are similar but yeah we'll get there uh this next one i'm not so sure (laughs) so this one track six dysentery gary which by the way (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that dysentery Gary that doesn't rhyme. No, I guess it's kind of a, maybe a half rhyme or a quarter rhyme. I don't really know the definition of half rhyme and quarter rhyme, but it seems like they probably should have done dysentery Jerry. I don't disagree with you there, but um, I don't know. That's just something I noticed. Dysentery Gary doesn't actually rhyme. So what I realized is that I did start listening to this album even before listening for this, for this podcast, for this episode. I listened to it a little bit recently, and I realized that this song is actually kind of underrated. I like it a lot more now than I think I did back then. I think this is one of the songs that I would maybe skip over. I'd probably listen to it, but I wouldn't, you know, on the, on the heels of What's My Age Again, I would just kind of zone this one out. But I actually do like this song. I think it's, it's also kind of upbeat, kind of fun. It's kind of angsty. This is a Tom song. So oh, it yeah. is a little more, it's a, it's a bit grungier. It's a bit angrier. It's a bit angstier. And the theme that I got from it is it's about a guy who falls in love with a girl who's already in love with a guy. So it's essentially somebody looking uh, on the outside, looking into a relationship and wanting to be with that, that girl. Is that what you right. got to? Yeah, I think there's a couple songs like that, but I think this is one of the only songs that I've ever really sang along to where you shout the word uh, diarrhea. Yeah. I was going to mention that line too, yeah. (laughs) That's usually not a lyric that you you sing along to. You're like, diarrhea giver. He's a diarrhea giver. That, first of all, do we know, do you have any clue what that means? I guess that's just dysentery. I, I, I guess that's the dysentery part of it, but... I know that that's what, so dysentery is, it's an illness where it, it gives you uncontrollable diarrhea, but he's a diarrhea giver. What does that mean? 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Um, I'm not a health professional, so I'm not sure on all the all the details of dysentery. I just know it's not something I ever want to get. <laughs> but my my RA freshman year is actually named Gary, uh -huh. and behind his back we would call him Dysentery Gary, which is not really fair because he was a wow. pretty nice guy. But you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, we were young and dumb. I know. I think I mentioned before, but. I'd never really looked at the lyrics on this album because first of all, when we were first listening to it, it was like the nineties, early two thousands and you didn't actually look up lyrics really. Yeah. There was no way to do that. But yeah. in reading through some of them, when we were listening to this album again for like this episode, uh, there's some creepy undertones in this, this song. I love your little motions with your pigtails. What a nice creation worth another, another night in jail, which, Oh, Creepy, Jeez. you know? Yeah, I didn't even pick Insin up on that. Insin insinuates oh, that a little bit weird. of, uh, yeah. So I, I guess that's part of, you know, what makes Gary such a creep, you know? Yeah. He preys on, I guess, underage girls, but. I guess that's the, yeah, that's the insinuation there. I did notice what I found kind of interesting. And it, again, it's clearly a song sung by Tom and I assume written by Tom, but it's a little reminiscent of Dumpweed. The line, the main line in the chorus, girls are such a drag makes you think about the entire theme of Dumpweed about girls being horrible. Yeah, and a girl, yeah you can train. Yeah. You a girl that I can train. It's just him not getting along with girls and not respecting girls. And it's, it's a bit reminiscent of that. Yeah, I did. I, I read a while ago that Tom wrote this song about basically that topic, being in love with a girl who's already in love with somebody. And you're so just bored with yourself and fuming that you have nothing better to do but to just hate that guy. Right. And I'm trying to think like there have been I'm sure there have been times in your past, I'm 100% sure there have been times in my past where you, you know that somebody out there is with a guy that she shouldn't be with. It just consumes you and you're like, you basically picture him in your mind about being a horrible person. So I think that's what he's doing. This guy probably isn't really that creepy like you mentioned, but in this guy's mind, he has to be a creep because he's such a horrible guy and he shouldn't be with this girl who I should be with is essentially what the song is getting at, I think. So yeah, if you... If you're like a guy that's in love with a girl, like you're never going to think that the girl is the problem because you're so infatuated by her that yeah, obviously right. her only flaw is that she happens to like this a-hole guy. Yeah. Yeah. Literally diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting, you know, I never really thought about that, but it is, it is an interesting theme for a song. I'm trying to think of how, yeah, how many people I've wrongly assumed are just horrible people because essentially I was jealous of them. I, I guess really what it boils down to is jealousy. There's a couple songs on this album where like you don't get both sides of the story. Yeah. And obviously you theirs, when yeah. you're, when you're writing a song that's from the songwriter's perspective. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I think later down the list, we'll find another song where it's kind of pretty one-sided in terms of what they believe, what they think of another person. And this one, we're not ever going to know what uh, dysentery Gary's thoughts were on the issue, but <laughs> all we know is that he sucks. Yeah. Oh, you mean dysentery Jerry? Yeah. Dysentery Jerry. Dysentery Jerry. But that guy's a diarrhea giver. Um, You're right. It, it doesn't really rhyme, but you know. It doesn't, but whatever. Track seven is, I actually think is kind of a, it's the slowest song on the album. So this, I think is sort of a misunderstood song. I realized recently that I did not fully understand it. So Adam's song. I never thought I'd 
which is clearly about suicide. Uh, it's clearly right. about being depressed and not fitting in and people don't understand you. And then I think the overall theme is suicide. I always thought it was about somebody in particular. I thought they knew somebody named Adam who was a friend of theirs or a relative, but that's not the case. I think it's a more general song about suicide and they use this name to embody that concept. Is that also what you, what did you know about? Did you think that was a real person or am I just, am I just dumb? I just always kind of assumed that, it, yeah, maybe it was a friend of the band or somebody they knew. Okay, but you did too. Okay. Now that you mentioned like the whole common man, like Adam is the first man, you know? So that's true. That's a good point. Maybe that could have been some of the thought behind the name of the, the name. But uh, yeah, this song was probably one of the first songs that I, again, when this came out, we were nine, 10 years old. And uh, luckily, suicide wasn't really something that was on our minds. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that this song it is about that it doesn't really i don't think it really directly ever goes into too much detail mm-hmm. um other than some some of the lines are just like silly like not to sound rude but like they're somewhat silly like i spilled the cup of apple juice in the hall please tell mom it's not her fault like yeah i always thought that was a reference that, that, that goes from like oh. a really a really stupid silly line to like a really tragic line you know yeah yeah that's kind of crazy Yeah. So what I think I, the reason that I knew that it wasn't about somebody specifically is because I did read somewhere recently that apparently Mark wrote this about at the time they were coming off of, off of a tour and Tom and I guess, I guess their old drummer, Scott, they all had family and friends and girlfriends to go back to. And I think he was the only one who was really going back to nobody. And so I think this was about just his, his general loneliness, you know, he doesn't spell it out, but maybe he was experiencing suicidal thoughts because he was going from this big high of touring and having big crowds and everybody worshiping you. And then all of a sudden you go home to this empty house and it was just so empty. So I think, I think recently I read something like that and that made me think that, Oh, okay. This isn't about somebody specifically. I mean, it might be about Mark. Who knows? Maybe it's, you know, it's an introspective song. That has to be hard. Like, you know, like you said, you go from the highest of highs to the tour was over. We survived. So that has to be like, I'm, I'm sure they were doing some partying on the tour. I'm sure they were doing some drinking. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. some like drug usage. I don't know, but you, you go from just say they were on warp tour that summer. So pretty much three months of just town to town, uh, going hard every single day. And then you, you see your bandmates with their significant others, whether it was real or not in love. And then yeah, they, they go home and they kind of continue on. Like they kind of just move it from the tour bus to their apartment or their house. Then you're kind of, you lost your buddies. You're now yeah. by yourself every night. It has to be taxing on you. Definitely. His best friends are now onto other things and not really think about him. And that's all he can really think about. Cause he doesn't have anybody else. So I found that very interesting. I never knew that. Spending the time in his room alone, you know? That was, I mean. Spilling apple juice. Yeah. It's never, I've never been suicidal myself, uh, thankfully. But 
there is something about that line. I can't wait till I get home to spend some time in my room alone. Yeah. There's something that's kind of comforting about that. You know, you yeah. have your safe space or your place where you feel you can let your guard down, you know? Yeah, definitely. So that's an interesting one. I do think it's the first, you know, I haven't really, I haven't listened to a whole lot of Blink before this. I, I know some of the earlier songs, but I think this is one of their first real deep kind of emotional songs. So for that reason, it's, it's a pretty big deal. I would so always that, listen to it and I would always feel deep. While I was yeah, listening to <laughs> that's it. right. Deep. Deep. You did feel deep back then listening to this one. Like 14 year old deep. Very deep. Yeah. All right. Track eight. Back to one of the big ones. All the small things. Probably Another, the biggest one, right? I think it's, I think it was the biggest one on the album. I think it's one of their biggest hits of all time. If it's not the hit, then it's top three. Yeah. I was thinking when I was listening to this again, when most people think of Blink-182, and I know that you and I, we, we know a lot of their albums, a lot of their discography, but for the average person who grew up when we did, who wasn't necessarily really into pop punk, I imagine when they think of Blink, they think of all the small things. I think this is like the epitome of, it might just be when, when you think of pop punk, you might just think of all the small things. I think it's, oh, that, sure. it's that popular, it's that groundbreaking, it's that culture defining when you go to a party if you want to put on a pop punk so like a pop punk song if it's not what's my age again it's, it's this all one. the small things yeah and you put this on like like everybody's just like i this is a feel good song yeah from maybe a simpler time but a couple interesting things about this song i always kind of knew so this is another tom song i think he wrote this about his girlfriend at the time who's his wife today i think it's the same the same woman. I think he married, he married her. He would think about the tiny things, the tiny um, favors that she would do, the errands that she would run for him. And he was like, all this sort of adds up. And this is why I really like this person. This is why I love this person. And, and I think that that one line, that's kind of weird. It's uh, she left me roses by the stairs and you don't normally think of a woman leaving a man roses, but that is actually something that happened. And that stood out to him because he thought who does that? He, I think he had a long day in the studio and he got back really late in the early morning hours and he walked upstairs and there was a, you know, a bouquet of flowers there that she had bought. So I think it's, it's about his love for her, him appreciating her. And uh, that, those, those are the reasons why she was his significant other. I think that's right. what it boils down to. Yeah, it was, it was kind of um, some of the songs in this album might be a little bit controversial or... Uh, risque i guess in today's terms of gender roles but for to their credit this one kind of reverses the gender role so it's like it's not the guy getting the girl's flowers it's the girl getting the guy flowers and right uh, I, I always thought that was kind of cool because it's like yeah buy me flowers what the heck 
Why am I always spending money? On I'm TV? sick of getting flowers for these women and not getting any flowers. <laughs> but no, I, I always thought that was cool. And I, I talked yeah. about it earlier, but like the word sucks. Ooh, it was like a trigger. It was a big hit. Yeah. It's like, ooh, these are real hard in the gut. Yeah. Was, um, this, this was the first one. I, this was probably the introduction to this album for most people. Like if, yep. you, if you went out and bought the album, it's probably because you heard the song on the radio or, or Absolutely. elsewhere. And that brings me to an interesting point. The other, the second cool point that I was going to make, which is directly relating to that is this song had tons of airtime. It was a very upbeat, fun song. There's a lot of na na nas and all that. I, I remember seeing an interview with Blink-182 uh, and specifically with Tom years ago. And he was saying how at their core, they were a very inappropriate, vulgar band, as we saw earlier in a lot of their songs. But this right. song was very PG, very like kids boppy, like family friendly. And so Tom was joking that all these parents would hear this song and the kids loved it in their cars on the way home from school. And the kids would say, oh, like I want to, I love Blink-182. I want to go to a Blink concert. And the parents would agree because they would think, oh, here's this fun, right. this fun band. And they'd go to a concert and then there would be blow up dolls being thrown into the crowd. And then you'd hear a song like Dysentery Gary and parents would just be mortified. So and I remember Tom essentially laughing about that. He's like, this was the song that it was essentially a prank on, on families and on these little kids. Right. I always thought that was Well, hilarious. and this music video kind of made fun of the whole boy band craze, right? It did. That's right. This is the one. Yep. It's a, a weird subject to approach, but the whole NSYNC Backstreet Boys, it was like targeting these grown men towards these young, impressionable girls. And this kind of made fun of that where it's like, this is so stupid. Yeah. This is uh, this is all mis misdirected, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I I remember seeing this one on MTV a couple times. All of their music videos were so, were just so funny and edgy. It was like you have them running naked through the streets, and then you have them dancing as, as guys in boy bands. Like every every scene from that music video was basically stolen from a Backstreet Boys actual music video or an in-sync actual music video. It's like them running on a beach topless or them in a airline hangar doing some like choreographed dance. So yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was their allure. They just, they never took themselves too seriously, you know? Right. And, and everybody, that's, I think that's people why people were like, that. these guys are cool, you know? Yeah. People appreciated that. So that song was a big deal. I mean, I think that was, that was their hit. That was their, their big success that was you know we are blink 182 i don't think they i don't think they've ever topped it i think i think i'd agree with you there yeah there have been songs that have come close like i think i miss you was a huge song yeah and uh, i think at least more recently like it's still kind of big it it's almost meme worthy at this point because people uh talk about the tom section of that song a lot saying like that's the best part of any song ever like I know uh, Nathan Fielder tweeted a, at this point probably years ago, but he said that was like the perfect part of any song ever made. So wait, Nathan Fielder said that. Yeah. That's hilarious. He, he, I think he asked somebody to make like a 24 hour loop of just Tom's part of that song. That's hilarious. And somebody it's on, it's on YouTube somewhere. It's like 24 hours worth of just Tom saying, where are you? <laughs> That's awesome. But Nathan Fielder would has, do something like that. Has, has any other song come close to this in terms yeah. of, Absolutely not. No. Like I miss you was that was huge, but yeah. um, no, this was it, and I think it was also because 
the entire album was just so defining. And I think this was the defining song on a defining album. And it was like, wow. What I was, track. I was thinking, so when, when we were, I was listening to this earlier today and I was looking at take off your pants and jacket, which I could have sworn had, it has some great songs, but the biggest hits on that, on that album were our first date and rock show, which first dates a great song as well. But yeah, I don't think anything ever topped uh, all the small things. I think that's always been their, their epic, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with you. I think that's, that's probably their most popular song to date. Now, the next song, Mike, is uh, the party song, which I actually really like this song. I, it's a lesser known song, but it's pretty good. It's very fast paced. What I, no- what I never noticed before, which I just noticed for the first time when I listened through before talking to you about it, is Mark says something under his breath before the song even starts. He whispers something. Never picked up on it. I'm not going to spoil it. I, I want... Did, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you hear it? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay, I didn't hear right. it. I, I never heard it until you mentioned it to me. So okay. I never have heard that but then i listen back i'm like oh wow yeah, yeah. he says uh it's a very bad word he says a very naughty word i don't want to ru- ruin the suspense i'll let uh if anybody else wants to hear it they'll they can they can listen to it that's kind of that's kind of like there's a couple i feel like there's a couple blink songs where it's like there's little things like that like i know in damn it i don't think it was ever recorded but like there's a and after the guitar intro like there's a take your pants off like that's yeah. just like a kind of thing that fans will say yep so i feel like this might they be definitely like another, say that live yeah yeah this might be like another one of those things where like you don't really notice it but turn the volume up a little bit and uh if you're a true fan like us you'll pick up there. on it eventually it's right there so this is a cool song i mean i think what i read about is it had to do with mark going to some really lame frat party at one of the local colleges and he was just surrounded by your typical frat stars and it was just, it was just a classic college frat scene and he hated it. And he was like, everybody here is super lame. Uh, this party's really lame. And I think the song is basically about how these types of parties suck and people try way too hard. It's all about how the girls there were, you know, dressing a certain way to try to impress people and look attractive. And they were trying too hard. And the guys there were doing keg stands and, they were flexing and also trying too hard. So I, I think it's pretty funny. I, I mean, I, I totally get that. Yeah, it's definitely funny. Like, it's insane just thinking about how, how much work girls put in to get ready to go to a party and how little work guys put in to go to a party. That's a good point, yeah. And this song kind of highlights that. And they, they describe uh, women's breasts as things on their chest, which <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like... It sounds worse out of context, but in the song, it's kind of funny. It's, yeah. you know, the girls that try to impress with their things on their chest, and it's true, but... That is an interesting choice in, uh, in description. It has to be one of those things where it rhymes. Yeah, that's, that's and, it. 
It could have said breasts. That also rhymes. <laughs> it could have said breasts. They could have been, yeah. But I breasts, that's too... Uh, syllables didn't didn't add up for that uh, particular right. line, I guess is right. what it is. But the, listening to this song now, I'm just, I'm so glad I never had to go to like another frat party. Yeah. Because, I mean, I never joined a, a frat personally, but it was just miserable. You're begging for beer from these uh, boneheads. <laughs> You know, that's the only power they have over you is that they can yeah. give you a beer if they want, but they don't. They they, they have they access to all the natty in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The natty fridge is full, but it's for girls only. Yeah, it does make you think about your, you know, your college years and just how ridiculous those those parties and those situations were. Very bizarre. But But it's weird because we look, we're looking at those parties as washed up 30 year olds basically like oh man we're too old for those like those were exhausting like mark was writing about that and singing about that as like a young guy i think he was just ahead of his time true he was, yeah. he was already if over I, it at in his late teens early 20s he's already over it yeah if if i were listening to this song when i was like 22 i'd be like what are you talking about this is fun but yeah. it's not fun and you just reach a point where i don't know I honestly don't know if these if uh if the band went to college or what their whole life was like with their education, but I think if you go to college for four years and you see this stuff over and over, it's like this is just not fun anymore. To a certain extent, I kind of feel the same way in terms of going out now as like a thirty year old, going down to the shore or going back to Penn State. When we go out now, I just feel so old. Yeah. And I look yep. at these children and think, you don't want me here. And I kind of don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a little bit to come to that understanding. I think having a, a kid helped. Yeah. It's like, this is no longer a place for me. <laughs> but five years ago, you would have been right in there. It was, it was a weird transition. When the first time I looked around, I'm like, I don't belong here. Yep. Yep. I totally but agree with you. I, I think the song does a pretty good job of, explain that sentiment yeah agreed the next song track 10 mutt So I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what to make of this song. It's, again, another Tom song, extremely vulgar, pretty vintage Blink song for that time. I think what I was getting out of it is it's essentially about a pretty one-sided relationship where the guy's only interested in the physical aspect of the relationship. And the girl, she wants more. She wants all the aspects that embody a very healthy relationship. That was the vibe I got. And then it talks about all the ridiculous things that they do to to you know to prove those things one line that really flowed to me was she smokes it or oh, she smokes it i don't want to sing but <laughs> that is how it goes like, yeah <laughs> she smokes a dozen and he doesn't even notice the smell mm-hmm. i really like the way that flowed dozen versus dozen and obviously that was intentional but yeah i think that's a great line i I'm, think it's yeah i think it's about how guys and girls just 
they're not linked up on what they want in the relationship. And right. it's, this one's describing a very specific relationship where that's certainly the case. And it's also just a very bizarre, like the things that they get into, we can reread the lyrics, but there's a lot of really bizarre stuff. <laughs> One of the lines is something like he removes the seat off of his bike because of the way that it felt. Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of tells you all you need to know. <laughs> I noticed that too. I wasn't sure if that was like homophobic or. <laughs> it might know. be, it might be like a homophobic joke. I, I'm not really sure. I think it just is pointing to like this very bizarre relationship and, how they're not on the same page I, i'm not sure i don't know what to make right of yeah it's like it's is a weird guy one. is this guy gay but still dating this girl i don't know still trying to press um, her i don't know yeah yeah i did i that's like it's a very specific lyric for i don't know in, in my mind i have no conclusion but no i don't either i think it's just it points to tom DeLong being tom DeLong. i think so too it's another very bizarre song that he decided to write and to sing and and then there's, you know, he goes out every night, his pants are super tight. So maybe he's trying to say, this guy isn't really interested in this girl for multiple reasons. Yeah, you know? I guess that's what it is. Yeah. It's a tough one. This one's a, that one's a bit of a puzzle. Um, but in terms of pants being super tight, Blink was part of that movement, you know, in terms of. Of course. Of Had to be if you. Skinny if you jeans and Macbeth skate shoes and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that one, that's a weird one. Um, the next one, this one I find kind dude, of... These Tom, these Tom songs, dude, it's just wrenches thrown into the machine. For sure. He's just keeping us on our toes. Back to a Mark one, track 11, Wendy Clear. So this is also kind of a cool one. So what, what it sounded like to me, so there's this whole boat aspect where it's a guy and a girl on a boat. They're going for some sort of day trip or night trip on a boat. But I think what it's about, so the lyrics it makes it feel like this guy is really into this girl who's probably dating somebody. It seems like it's, it's like you're in love with somebody that you're not supposed to be in love with like forbidden fruit. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so he's trying to, he's trying to grapple what to do with these emotions where he likes this person. He's clearly not supposed to, I think because they're dating one of his friends or somebody that they're on tour with. If, if this is blink One Eighty Two, maybe, Mark is into a girl who's dating somebody in another band that he's touring with. But how do you, how do you grapple with those emotions? What do you do? And I think the end result, the conclusion is what do you do? You just move on. And I think that's how the song ends. Yeah. It's moving on, moving on, moving. Yeah. Like I love this song. Um, it's honestly like when I was re-listening, it was one of the songs that I didn't really remember that well. It, it probably is not one of my favorite tracks on the album. Yeah. But I do remember that moving on part. That's the meat of the song. So, yeah. And this is, I have no idea about boating terms, but yeah. You were saying that Mark's boat was actually called Wendy. And I, I think Wendy, so, yeah. Wendy Clear is like when a boat has a clearance to pass you or, or go by you, you say like Wendy Clear. So, that's kind yeah. of the name of the song. Without that kind of backstory, it's a 
it's a weird song title, but it is a weird title. Yeah. You don't really pick up on that, but yeah, I, I did. I remember hearing about that at some point in time that that was the meaning behind, behind the song title. I don't know if that has any sort of relation to the actual meaning of the song. I'm not, not sure, but it's similar to what was the other song about sort of unrequited love dysentery Gary back to dysentery Gary. That yeah. was about being in love with a girl who was dating this horrible guy. And that was Tom's take on it. But this one is, it seems like it's Mark's take on it. Is like, And I, I wonder if looking back, if, if they would say, maybe when they wrote them at the time, what if you are also a horrible guy? Yeah. But you're just like a different one, yeah. you know? It's like, because from the way these songs are written, from the, the narration we get, these aren't, your uh grade a prime cuts of of man meat here you know <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of really shitty <laughs> trying to find themselves guys so yeah yeah for sure i, I wonder if there's you're not going to write a second album in response to your album about like well actually i was the real <laughs> a-hole yeah. but there's there's probably something to that you know they're complaining about these guys through these songs but and they're probably very normal guys and yeah, they're probably the exact same as you, except with uh, the girl. That girl doesn't like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. I mean, the whole thing is very whiny when you really think about it. It's just it's, extremely whiny, jealous. There's going to be a lot of whiny, bro. There's going to be oh, a I lot know. of whiny. Trust me, I know. But that's what we're here for. That is what we're here for. I do think it's fun that it, it is cool. This album going back and forth between Tom and Mark and seeing who says what and trying to tie that together but yeah so this takes us to track 12 the final song on the album anthem and this is the first one and then as we know take off your pants and jacket has it leads off with anthem part two This song, I think, I, I never really gave it the time of day. It's not one of my favorites, it's but it's it's a good song, but looking back at it and listening to it again and rereading the lyrics, it really does capture what the entire album is about. The song is about being at a house party <laughs> back to the parties. I think the party song is about a college party. I think this one's more about a high school house party, no parents, all the kids come over, there's kegs, there's solo cups. That's what this one's about. And it's about throwing a party in the suburbs and then it getting busted. And it's the, the theme of like, this is your big escape, this big party. And it's your youth anthem. And you're, you're trapped somewhere between being a kid and being an adult. And these parties are kind of what prove it. Like you're not old enough to drink. And the cops show up and they try to bust you for that. And you're stuck at home. And there's all this emotion. You just want to be out of the house. But you have nowhere to go because you're not allowed to, to leave the house yet. You're not old enough. It, it just sort of encapsulates what that's all, what the entire album is about, really. It's a, 
middle ground between being young and being old and trying to find yourself and maybe remove yourself from your parents or your family and for, for better or for worse, throwing yourself into your relationships through your friends and your girlfriends or your boyfriends, whatever. And they do a really good job saying what people that age feel. I, I always kind of identify with the line. I wish my friends were 21 in terms mm -hmm. of being a high school kid thinking, well, if I just had a 21 year old friend, he'd give me beer and alcohol or whatever. I didn't really drink in high school. And that was never really like appealing to me, mm -hmm. but I do remember the song and thinking, man, it'd be so cool if I just had like a, an older friend. And then you kind of grow up and go through college and think to yourself, I'm kind of glad I didn't have that older person uh, trying to influence me <laughs> yeah. in that sense. But yeah. What I also find kind of interesting about the song is all the imagery of, of these high school parties about people being passed out and people writing on their face. And I also thought it was just kind of a funny song in general. It was like kind of a cool light way to really close out the album. For sure. It's all uh, lighthearted. And I love the lines, white lies, bloodshot eyes. Yeah. Breath of alcohol, stole it from the mall. Yeah. We're going to see this a lot with uh, the albums that we examine, but a lot of these lyrics are kind of throwaway, I guess, but there mm -hmm. are some really good ones thrown in. That's something that I wish I, I could have written. I think that's like a great line. So Yeah. And then I think the, the line, I time bomb, that he kind of repeats over and over again as the song closes out, it's like you feel like you're going to explode. And these suburban kids who are trapped and want to escape, they feel like time bombs. They feel like it's only right. a matter of time before they explode and, and they want to get out. Uh, right. which I found very interesting. It was cool. I think it was a good way to close the album. What a journey. What a journey that was. A lot of back and forth. There was a lot of very interesting emotional songs and emotional lines and emotional lyrics and a lot of just teenage, inappropriate, vulgar. It was a lot of back and forth. Yeah, I think part of our plight with this project is going to be, you know, taking these albums for what they are, but also trying to add meaning and, depth to something that on the surface may seem superficial or not as deep as we may think. Right. There's an obvious reason why we're doing this 20 years past the point. So sure. Uh, a lot of these albums played a really crucial role in our development, both musically and otherwise. And I yeah. think it's fun to kind of take a look back and uh, see where we, where we stand on them years in the future. Yeah. So I think that's a great point. I think that's, that's why this album is very significant. I think other reasons why it's significant. First, very big commercial success for Blink-182. This was kind of their breakout album. They didn't have a humongous following until this album. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're literally defining pop punk as a genre. And they are the pop punk band. When you think back to late 90s, early 2000s, Blink-182 is the band. Um, they were everywhere. They were, they were everywhere. everywhere. And... You think of 90s albums, like you think probably Dookie by Green Day is like the outlier in terms of this was pop punk or punk, whatever you want to call it, right. in the 90s. Mm -hmm. But I think this was, in terms of MTV VH1, this was the breakthrough into the mainstream, you know? You had Nirvana in the early 90s, which this album even alludes to in Adam's song, you know? Yep. Uh, Took my time to hurry up, etc. But this is the fist to the wall in terms of 
breaking into the mainstream for this sort of genre. Yeah. And it never really looked back until MTV kind of run its course, you know. We still have alternative radio today, and I haven't gone anywhere recently, so <laughs> I don't know what's playing on the radio. But I'm sure if you turn on your local alternative station or indie station or whatever, you're going to hear some blink from time to time. Definitely. On the flip side, Mike, let me hit you with this real quick. While this was a humongous mainstream success, they also got a lot of heat for this album, which I don't know if you knew about. I didn't really know about it. I assume that there's always going to be haters, but apparently a lot of the, uh, a lot of the really authentic punk audience listeners consumers were upset with blink because they considered this album to be a very synthesized manufactured pop sound and they they got a lot of heat for it and they thought not only that but they thought that the themes of that you hear in dysentery gary and even aliens exist and in the party song they just thought were immature and honestly kind of lame so there were people that stopped listening to blink because of this album but i think those were the people that really wanted to be like the hardcore punk crowd. Oh, for sure. I'm sure people, they were pissed off that they were successful, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that has to be a large part of it is that... They're a sellout. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you sell out because like, God forbid you make money off of the, your chosen career path. Right, yeah. Honestly, like if people were mad at them, it was probably just because they were successful. Yeah. There's a certain degree of enjoying a band and feeling like you are the only people that know that band or like that band. Right. But at a certain point, if you want a band to keep making music and keep producing music, there has to be some sort of cash flow, you know? Yeah, totally. And I know there's there's negative connotation to this album that it was overproduced and it's too pop. It's not punk. Yep. But that was the point. Mm-hmm. They made two albums. They saw what was working, what wasn't working. Yeah. You know, you have amazing songs like Damn It and Josie that were being played. And they said, let's just make an album of uh, a couple songs just like that. Yeah. And they did. <laughs> the, the poppy ones that, yeah, that seemed they to did. hit. Yeah, exactly. And it's 21 years later and we're talking about it. We're still it, talking so. about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't blame them. There's something to be said about authenticity and... and uh, putting out independent records and whatnot, but this is a great album. And from here, they put out a number of other great albums. So, Yeah. The only other final thing that, which honestly might be the most important thing about this album is besides the fact that they had clearly had very relatable themes and content that kids like us at the time could relate to and appreciate, which obviously drove their popularity. But the biggest addition on this album was Travis Barker. The main significance of this album was the fact that he is now part of the band because without him, sure. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be what they are today. If this guy Scott was still drumming, they would not be that famous. Travis Barker is essentially himself a musical artist. You know, he has gone on to drum for rappers. He's done solo stuff, I think. During his we, show, we, t- they twist him upside down and do crazy shit with him. So Yeah, we, we saw them in... I think it was back in 2011 with um, My Chemical Romance and Manchester Orchestra. We saw them mm-hmm. in concert and a whole five, ten minutes of that show is just Travis Barker doing a drum solo, which is, that's not usual for 
this kind of concert. So yeah, he's and, essentially and was, a solo act. It was worth watching too. It was incredible. So yeah, even without his musical uh, talent, he, he just fits this pop punk mold perfectly. Tattooed, skinny dude, backwards cap, baggy Had a shorts. Back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He just fits in perfectly. I would argue that they weren't even Blink until Travis. No, was part of. I don't it. think so. I think they I became think so. Blink in this album. I mean, I love their music previously, but. I don't think they were either. You have two kind of pudgy white guys running on the beach without this skinny tattooed guy. I don't yeah. think it would have had the same effect, you know? Absolutely not. No, you needed him. in the But mix. he's the um, chemical X, you know? Yep. I agree. So with that, Michael, thank you. I appreciate uh, you joining me for that journey. That was a lot of fun. It was good to yeah. relive that no, and revisit cool. that. I got the time, so... We plan to discuss an album each week and release an episode each week. The plan for next week is Simple Plans, Breakout Album, No Pads, No Helmets, Just Balls. We want to make this as interactive an experience as possible. So if you want to get in touch with us, we are online. You can email us at uh, Gmail. It's poppunkproj, that's P-R-O-J, at gmail.com somebody out there mike somebody out there stole pop punk project and is sitting on our actual domain some nincompoop is you know what the only thing that bothers me is it it keeps us from streamlining our brand across the board that's the only yeah hurts the brand so maybe if you if you listen to our episodes if you like what we're talking about email poppunkproject at gmail.com and tell them to rescind their address (laughs) but until then Pop Punk Project Gmail, if you have any questions, comments, any input on the albums that we're going to talk about, because, you know, we're, we're two really smart guys, but there's only so much knowledge we can uh, contain with these albums. So uh, check us out on Instagram. That's our username, Pop Punk Project. Twitter, same, Pop Punk Project. And we also have set up a Patreon. Uh, that's a way you can support us and our very tough, strenuous endeavor of talking about albums we listened to when we were 13 years old so you know if you want to show us some love on there we definitely appreciate it it's patreon.com slash pop punk project there's a couple different tiers we're going to be doing some fun stuff throwing some videos up there so thanks so much for listening we hope you have the time of your lives good riddance Mm -hmm.